Hi, Scott. Hey, Mike. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for, for calling into this. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I am sorry it took so long to <laughs> get back to you. But, <laughs> no, you no know. worries at all. So so what's, uh, what's the deal? What do we do? Yeah, so I <laughs> know. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, I'm happy to walk you through it. So, yeah, I, I'm – I mean – I'm just a lifelong Dallas Mavericks fan with a passion for NBA history and Mavericks history. And I just wanted to talk to former Mavs. So uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun just catching up with former players and hearing some of their stories. And like I said, and, and I'm becoming a little bit more interested in Mavericks from the eighties because uh, (laughs) I'm only 31 and I didn't become a Mavericks fan until about 1995 or so. So, you know, I don't really, until recently, I hadn't started to familiarize myself with Mavericks from the 80s, but it's been, uh, it's been fun learning about it and hearing from some of them. I actually, I've talked to a few, I think one of, only, one of your former teammates, though, I talked to Stan uh, Petkavich a couple months ago, yeah. and that was a fun conversation, too. Um, now, do you work for the Mavericks, or are you are you doing doing this on the on your own, or just completely on my own? Uh, it would be amazing to work for the Mavs, but no, I, uh, I it's just like a passion project. It's not. It's, oh, that uh, is not, cool. Not a, I... not a job, or I mean, if, sometimes it feels like a job, but I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. That yeah, yeah, that's great. So, one of the first things that I like to ask former Mavs when I'm talking to them is just, how did you get started growing up in basketball? I know you were born in Chicago and went to high school in Phoenix, but what between then, what got you interested in the sport? Well, uh, probably. Well, it's a combination of things, I'm sure, but. Uh, I was always like the tallest kid in the class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you were just kind of funneled into that sport. But it was funny when in the playground uh, in the school that I went to, uh, they didn't even want me to play because uh, they felt like it was unfair that if, if I was on either time, other, you know, whichever team I was on was going to win. So they didn't, they didn't want me to play. <laughs> but so it wasn't wasn't until about sixth grade that I really uh, started playing a lot. And I had an older brother that was um, into basketball, mm-hmm. and he kind of brought me along to uh, playgrounds and stuff he was doing. So that's really how I got involved in it is through my brother. Okay, well that's cool. So um, at what point did you grow up in Chicago a little bit, or did you at what point did you move to to Phoenix? Well, I was, um, we lived in a, a suburb of Chicago called Arlington Heights okay. and, uh, I lived there until the end. Well, it was spring break actually of, uh, seventh grade. And my dad who worked for Motorola was transferred to uh, Scottsdale and, uh, and we moved out there. Oh, wow. And so I, I you know, I ended up to go into, uh, high school and college out there. Yeah. So I know you went to, we to East high school. Um, while, while you were in high school and your for your basketball career there, um, did you play with or play with or against any future NBA players during that time? In high school? Yes. Um, that were playing in, uh, yeah, yeah. Rudy White who played for Houston, mm-hmm. uh, 
Pistons, um, we played them, their team, in the uh, finals of the state championship. Oh, wow. Let's see. Let's see. Was it, I, I can't think of any high school players um, in uh, the Phoenix League that was that went on to play professional basketball. <clears throat> but Rudy White was the, the guy. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so yeah, I can see you won a, uh, a state title in 1971 um, before moving on to Arizona State. What was your recruitment process like that led you to Arizona State? Well, it um, <clears throat> it was it was pretty it was pretty intense. Um, I was recruited by a lot of people and <clears throat> took a lot of uh, recruiting trips. And I, at that time, I, I kind of did not want to stay in Phoenix. I wanted to go somewhere else to school. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't decide that I was going to Arizona State until August. And um, so it was a late decision, and I just decided to stay in Phoenix because <laughs> I was kind of confused. It, it, was that, it was that kind of thing. It was like tossing a coin almost. It, yeah. I didn't really – I had gone to so many different places, and – wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And so I stayed home. Cool. And what, <laughs> in, in your, in your college years, you played with uh, Lionel Hollins, correct? Right. What was and Rudy he, White also yeah. who I played against in high school. Played oh, there. cool. Um, what was uh, your college experience like playing, playing with those guys at ASU? No, it was great. It was, um, uh, you know, college is, well, was fun for me. And, um, uh, playing with those guys was good. Uh, we, you know, Arizona state at that time, uh, probably even now really wasn't known as a great basketball school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lionel came in as a junior college transfer and, you know, Rudy came in as a freshman, but, um, but it, it was great. Um, I thought they had a very good program and um, it was great being a part of it and, I don't know. It was all good. <laughs> so, you know? yeah, no, yeah, I understand. And uh, actually, my uh, my father in law was at ASU at the same time you were there. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, but uh, he said he said he uh, he didn't really know too many of the athletes, so he wasn't uh, familiar with you. But he was there during that same period. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yeah, so you finish up at ASU in 1976, and you're in the NBA draft, or you're getting ready for the NBA draft, and you're selected in the second round by Milwaukee. Um, what was your your rookie year like for you? Um, you know, obviously this is a Maverick-centered podcast, but I'm just trying to get a, a learn more about about your NBA career before you came to Dallas. Um, what was my rookie year like? Yeah, like just in um, in terms of like, was it a hard transition for you from from college to the NBA, or uh, just or or playing well, just from, from um, Milwaukee at that at that time. That was after Kareem had left Milwaukee, correct? Right, yeah. and and they were the Milwaukee Bucks weren't that great a team, but um, um, I had played against uh, in the summertime. Uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns were in town, and and we always uh, got together, pick up games at Arizona State, or we there's various places that. Uh, we'd work out and have games and stuff. So I had played against other pros before and, Mm -hmm. but still it doesn't prepare you for uh, playing in the NBA. 
and it's it's like any rookie team uh, or r- rookie player it takes a while to adjust and figure out what you're doing because you go from a position of you're an important part of a team and then you're <laughs> go to a, a pro team and you're you know you're fighting to get uh, playing time mm-hmm. but uh when i was there the um the head coach was uh, larry costello for the i can't remember when he got fired but he he really liked me because I was really hungry and hustling and trying to, you know, get more playing time. And so I got to play quite a bit at first. And then um, <laughs> he got fired. <laughs> and and uh, Don Nelson, who was um, a rookie coach, he was, uh, he was an assistant. Um, he moved up to the head job and – uh, coming from Boston, their you know their philosophy. Well, it's also Nelly's philosophy too. But uh, their philosophy was you know you don't play rookies, and uh, so I was getting you know as a rookie, I, I thought I was getting pretty good minutes at first, and then uh, he came in, and then you know I wasn't getting to play very much, so <laughs> it was kind of frustrating. But you know Nelly was a great guy and a, and a fun to be around and fun to have as a coach and. Uh, uh it was it was a big adjustment as far as playing i guess one of the one of the big things is that um you're you play so many games and you're always you know there's no once the season starts um it's just off and running you don't you don't have time to prepare for games you have to be ready all the time and if you're not playing you, you know you can actually get out of shape so yeah th- those are all kinds of those are the basic uh, adjustments I can think of right now. I gotcha. So, so Nelly cuts me uh, halfway through the season, <clears throat> and um, you know that like I don't know if they still have that or, or not. But there's a time during the season if you don't have a guaranteed contract, it's like you know, Dece- sometime in December that um, if they let you go, you're a free agent. So I became a free agent and was picked up by Buffalo and, and, and then Norm Sanju was who I did not know was the uh, general manager there. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, so I, for, wait, I forget, where was I going? Where? <laughs> <laughs> I was just asking about your stint with the Clippers and then, uh, you know, Oh yeah. That, yeah. yeah then so we finished out the year in Buffalo and then, but uh, and then the, the franchise moved to San Diego, which. Gotcha. And then after your, your time there, you played for the bulls and got to go, um, back to Chicago. Was that, was that fun going playing for the bulls at that time? Or did you, did you look at it like going back home at all or anything like that? Well, I sort of, I mean, um, Moving in seventh grade, and so I had been away for a long time, but yeah. didn't really go back for anything. But I still stayed in contact with a few people I knew there. So I got to see some friends, and, and I had really good memories of growing up there. And it was nice to be in that area, and I liked the Midwest, and um, it was kind of fun to reminisce and so forth. But um, that team that team was horrible. It mm-hmm. was a, t- <laughs> a terrible team. and 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 the the Chicago fans. I mean, we we got better reception when we were on the road. When we would start warming up for a a, 
a home game, the fans would boo us. Oh, man. <laughs> it was it was pretty brutal. And um, and I was uh, my job was to back up artist Gilmore, and uh, he he played, you know, he played forty five minutes of the forty eight minutes of a game, and I would you know sometimes he'd call a timeout and I'd they'd give him a rest for a minute or two and I'd go in and play. And then <laughs> um, sometimes before halftime, they'd uh, take him out of the game for a minute. So that's, I was just backing up. I was just filling in for uh, giving him a little rest here and there. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of, you know, it was a bad team. <clears throat> um, everybody was in a bad mood. The management was in a real bad mood. The fans didn't like us. It was <laughs> tough here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you finished your time there and then <clears throat> you went to Italy before coming to Dallas. And one thing I wanted to ask you about how you arrived in Dallas was, was it where your, your relationship with Norm Sanju that kind of opened the door for you to make your way down here? Um, well, sort of, uh, so when I, when I, uh, after my, um, third year with Chicago, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I went to Italy and uh, I was recruited by Italy basically. And they, they offered me a contract and it was, uh, more than I was making with Chicago and Chicago said I could come back to try out. And, uh, I, I thought, well, I've got a guaranteed contract in Italy, and it, the team was in Venice, Italy. I thought this this can be great, mm-hmm. and uh, so I did that. But when I came back from Italy, uh, I, I came back to Phoenix, and it just so happened that uh, the Milwaukee Bucks were playing the Phoenix Suns. So I met a, a friend of mine after the game in the bar, and um, Nelly was there, and he goes. Uh, we were just sitting around. He says, Hey, we're uh, expanding the league next year and uh, we're going to lose some, you know, the couple of guys, I forget who he mentioned off the team. Mm-hmm. And, and um, he said, I'd be interested in signing you back to the uh, box. And I, uh, I said, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, when <laughs> you give me a call, it was, yeah. that, it was just kind of, kind of a loose conversation. Yeah. And um, so he calls me and, uh, he offered me a contract. And then, um, so at that time I had also known it was, it wasn't Norm that called me, but so I had, kn- I had known Rick's son pretty good from Milwaukee because he was the, uh, I forget what he was there, like player personnel director or something like that. And, um, so I called Rick and I, I told him, I said, Hey, I'm thinking about signing up with, uh, signing with Milwaukee. I said, what's, what's going on there? And, he said, "Yeah, we'd love to have you. We'll sign you." And uh, but I mean, at that time, they were signing all kinds of guys uh, that ex- you know that expansion year. And so um, I thought about it for a while. Uh, I don't know, a few days. And um, so Nelly wanted a decision. And at that time, at that particular time, they the Ma- uh, the Mavericks did not have a coach yet. They had not decided on anybody. And so I thought, well at least Nelly knows me <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I signed with, uh, with the bucks. And so really what I, <clears throat> I wish I would have signed with the Mavericks at that time. But um, so I got cut 
for the second time from Nelly uh, in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. like uh, five games into the season or so. And then I called Rick and said, hey, listen, I just got kind of any chance of uh, me coming to Dallas. And he said, well, I think there might be. And um, so I drove from Chicago to, to Dallas. Wow. And no, I no, I was going to drive to Dallas, but I, I drove from Chicago home to uh, Phoenix. And, you know, it's basically as soon as I got to Phoenix, uh, Rick called me and says, yeah, come on, we're, we're going to sign you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that happened. But it was nice uh, knowing Rick and it was nice knowing Norm and it, it was it was it was yeah. great it was the it worked out perfect so one thing i wanted to ask you about you know first coming into that that season the first season in mavericks history um what was the team's attitude at the like towards the whole kiki vandaway situation was there i mean was it even much of a story or i'd like like i said i'm not super familiar with um Mavericks from the 80s, but, you know, you hear about it and you read about it sometimes. So I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts on what was going on with that. Well, my understanding was that, I mean, Kiki, he was trying to look for the best position for himself. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sure he didn't think at that time that coming to Dallas would be good for him or his playing time or his career. And so, I mean, I think as a player, we didn't really care, but the, I think the fans made a big deal about it and he would get booed and, mm-hmm. uh, people would get on him but um in general as a player it wasn't it wasn't much much if anything of an issue it was more uh a management thing and i think they felt like they were snubbed and you know i don't really think that's the case yeah okay yeah i was just curious about that something uh i know that's like kind of a a weird footnote in one of the maverick in, in their first season so was curious about that. What were your initial impressions of, you know, Dallas um, as a city and of the Mavericks as, as an organization when you got here? Well, first of all, I, I came from just being cut. So I was ex- excited to go anywhere. And I was, um, you know, I was happy to go there, happy to show up, happy to have a uniform to put on. And I think there was a lot of guys on the team. I don't know. You probably you you might have more information on this, but I mean there was a a ton of guys that came and went during that first year, and I um, yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the numbers were, but it was a lot. Um, but it was you know I think the guys that were there and that hung in there and <clears throat> stayed on that you know ended up on the final roster were all happy to be there, and they you know, they obviously love playing basketball and they were on a team and it was, it was a tough year because when you're losing all the time, but um, it, you know, it was really a fun year and everybody, everybody got along and it it was a a really good experience. I think the expansion, the expansion part of it is, you know, guys are coming from various teams that um, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but uh, they protect a certain amount of players on your team, and then uh, the others are can be picked for the expansion draft. So um, you've got guys that are in a situation where maybe they weren't playing very much for a team, and, and now they have an opportunity to play. So uh, I think everybody had a pretty good attitude. And, you know, uh, the other thing is that Dick Mata was uh, – he was like the perfect coach for this because – 
he'd been around and he, he knew what he was doing. And he, he just, he just asked everybody just to play as hard as they can and, and do the best they could and, and uh, just give a really good effort, give your best effort. And that was, that was, that was nice. I think the fans really appreciated it because it, it was, uh, you know, Dallas well, still is a football town. And um, at that time, not that many people were into basketball. It was new to them anyway, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So yeah, during that, during that first year, um, you talked a little bit about Dick Mata as a, as a coach. Do you have any uh, anecdotes or any challenges he gave you? I, I know when I talked to uh, Stan Petkavich, he said that he was once challenged by Dick to see, or I think the team was challenged by Dick Mata to see how many free throws out of 25 everyone can make. And Stan said he made 112 and Dick had to give him some money after that. Do you, do you have any uh, interesting stories like that? <laughs> uh no, but um, oh, Stan was a, a real pure shooter, and I mean, he could, yeah, he could, he could shoot. But uh, Dick would do stuff uh, to make it more fun and to make it interesting. And he would sometimes, um, like at our shoot around practices, uh, he would, he'd, uh, he'd throw down, I don't know, we'll just say twenty bucks on the free throw line, and <laughs> and so. He'd, he'd start a, a line and then you, you just keep shooting until some the last guy standing is, uh, uh, you know, gets to pick up the cash. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he would, you know, he was always, I don't know any personal, um, challenges he gave me other than, yeah. uh, you know, just, just play as hard as you can do the best you can. He, he had a big thing about, uh, don't play outside your, uh, your limits. And, mm-hmm. you know know what you can do know what you can't do and he he was just uh he knew he didn't have the most you know we didn't have the most talent on that team so he just he just wanted a good effort and he wanted he wanted you to play hard yeah that's, we, uh, that lines up with the other things i've been hearing so i was just curious if uh about your experience yeah. with him yeah no it was, it was he was good i liked him <laughs> um so as <laughs> i've been doing some research on you um i Uh-oh. i I was reading about the Scott Lloyd fan club. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That, so uh, how did that come about or what are your memories about it? Cause I'm reading about fans hanging 50, 50 foot banners from in arenas with uh, slogans that say your name in them, or they say, you know, great Scott, it's Lloyd, or this is the year of our Lloyd long live Lloyd. What, 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 what are my some fa- of your favorite memories of that? Well, my favorite uh, slogan they put up was may the Lloyd be with you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> He, um, it was, that was in Buffalo and they, you know, Buffalo, speaking of Dallas as a football town, I mean, Buffalo is a hockey town and, um, they had a, uh, arena called the odd, I think it was called. And we would, <laughs> nobody, hardly anybody came to the games. Mm-hmm. There'd be like the place held 17, 18,000 people. And, you know, sometimes like two or three. 2000 people might show up or for a home game, but these high school kids, um, I don't know they just took a liking to me for some reason. And <laughs> they started following me and, uh, you know, uh, putting up these banners and they had a little cheering section for me and stuff. And it was pretty funny. It was, it's actually kind of embarrassing, but, uh, they kind of followed me around and, uh, it was fun. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that does sound like it was fun. Um, wish I could have seen some of that. So in yeah. your in your second year, and you kind of touched on this briefly earlier, you know, your first year in Dallas, it was a, a revolving door. There was actually 21 players that uh, played a regular season game um, your first year in <laughs> Dallas. And then your second year, it went all the way down to 13. So, I mean, that's just a drastic change from one year to another. But, yeah. you know, some of the – the new guys that came in your second year, obviously some Maverick legends, you know, uh, with Rolando and Mark Aguirre. Um, what were, right. what were some of your impressions of them, uh, you know, of a rookie Rolando Blackman? Um, he, you know, Rolando, uh, is a great talent or, and, uh, he was very intense and he was, um, he was very eager and very, he was, you know, ready to make an impression and he did he you know he's a good guy to hang around with and uh hard 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 nosed guy played hard uh worked hard uh it was good but you know yeah it was uh you know and he he contributed to the team right off the bat so absolutely yeah it was uh yeah that was just something i wanted to ask you about about that particular season um, what are, you know, obviously I don't know exactly when it happened. I know it was a few months ago when there was the passing of, of Don Carter. Um, what, what yeah. are your memories of, of Don Carter, uh, during your time here? I think, he, you know, the, the whole, the whole basketball thing in Dallas was new and it was new to him. And, uh, but he was, he was so into it and excited about it. Uh, it was just, <laughs> Uh, it, it was really nice, and uh, it, it, it was weird because um, I'd never been on a team with, that had an owner like that. But he would, um, after the game, you know, uh, he would come in and he he would come and con- shake our hand and congratulate us, and you know, even when we lost, and the, he he appreciated the effort, and uh, you know, and he, you know, uh, he would. I don't know what to, you can't say enough nice things about him. He was just into it. And, uh, it, it's like, uh, <laughs> he, he was just really super excited. Just amazing. Yeah. I thought it was such a cool moment when, uh, you know, when the Mavs won the championship back in 2011 and he, uh, Mr. Carter was handed the trophy before anyone else. I thought that was really neat. I know. I, I thought that was really cool. So, you know, once your your playing career ended in Dallas, uh, I believe it was in in 1982. Um, that was that was the end of your of your basketball professional basketball playing career. Did did you have any other opportunities to play a- after that? I did. Um, I had two opportunities to sign a um, 10 day contract. Do they still do 10 day contracts? I don't remember. Yes, they do. Them. That's still uh, yeah. Um, at some point during the season, those are allowed to, to be signed. Usually, I think I believe in the latter half of the season, they still do 10 days. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, we were in San Diego when I got cut from the Mavericks. And uh, San Diego started talking to me about a 10-day contract. And I said, well, um, I would be interested if you want to sign me for the rest of the year. But I don't really want to do a 10-day contract. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of pass on that and then I also um got an offer from um San Antonio with the 10-day contract and I just uh I thought well this is time it's time to move on 
you know. Right, but then you eventually moved on to to calling some Mavericks games, right? Yes, uh, that yeah, that was that was fun and that was kind of unexpected, but um that's when you know, that's really you know, before cable was a factor and mm-hmm. um uh it was called Home Sports Entertainment and uh so I got to do uh and it that was it was brand new and I I don't even think that many people knew about it, it seemed like. But uh, so I got to do uh, the color games on, a, I don't know how many games, maybe not a, not a great deal of games. I think it was 10 or 15 games, home games and <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I, I uh, it, All of a sudden things just went silent. I, I have no idea what happened. That's never happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pr- probably me then. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so no, I don't know what happened. Calling back in. Um, one thing I did want to—I know we were talking about your your broadcasting time—and one of the specific questions I had regarding that was you were able to call the Moody Madness game, correct? Yeah, yeah. What are your memories of that? That is such a unusual event in Mavericks history, and you know it happened yeah. a year or two before I was born. But um, it's just a what what are your memories of that like the environment i think only like 10,000 people were actually there so that's pretty cool that you were there for that it was amazing well it was the atmosphere was just you know totally intense it was jammed in there and they you know um it was loud we were right sitting right on the court um i just remember uh you know, when they went ahead, uh, just screaming and, you know, you, you couldn't hear yourself or hear anybody else. Uh, I mean, the crowd was going nuts. It, it was uh, it was an amazing game, and it was a, 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 a ga- amazing game to broadcast. But, um, you know, Alan Stone was doing the play-by-play, and, uh, uh, you know, he was great. And um, it, it was just – it was really fun to be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. That That sounds like it would have been – a great night and obviously is a, a really cool, um, just a cool moment in Dallas sports history. So I think it's pretty neat that you, that you were on hand for that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. So how long did you do the broadcasting for? Well, I just did it. I did it two years and uh, the second year, uh, <clears throat> home sports entertainment started catching on and then, um, <laughs> other guys, uh, other professional broadcasters got a little more interested in it. And I, I kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of got weeded out. I gotcha. So, so, anyway. so once that ended, um, you know, what, what did you move on to after that? Well, really when I, when I was through playing, I, um, I got into sales and the broadcasting thing was just kind of a, uh, a, I don't know when you'd call it a side job or whatever, but mm-hmm. I got into sales and then, um, uh, I, um, used to travel around to, I got into furniture sales at one point And then I was, I, I was traveling Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. And my brother lived in Houston and he had a t-shirt uh, printing shop down there. And so I would visit him when I was in Houston and he, um, he said, Hey, when you're traveling around, why don't you, uh, he had a line of shirts coming out and uh, he said, why don't you stop in these t-shirt shops and, and see if the, see if you can sell some of them. So I started doing that and that started going really well. And I, um, 
I decided just to f- focus on that with him and this line of shirts. And he, you know, um, I I became more and more interested in the uh, production side of it and not the sales side of it. Mm-hmm. And so I bought a little uh, equipment and started uh, printing my own shirts and then uh, and just started growing the business from there. So very cool. And that's uh, the Ham Hula T-shirts, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, is there any uh, what's the significance behind that name? Good question. Um, <laughs> the number is uh, 214-426-4852. And on the keypad, uh, Ham Hula, you know, 214-426-4853 spells Ham Hula. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. That's a pretty unique name. That's that's kind of cool how that came about. Well, yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of slow at first. Did I say five three is five two? Yeah, five yeah, five two. I, I figured that was it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I was playing around with the keypad and uh um so I got um hula out of the last four numbers. So oh, that's pretty good. Uh, two and four, four two six hula. And and then a friend of mine started doing it and uh, he he came up with a ham hula. <laughs> and and then he uh he was an artist and so he drew a little uh pig in a hula skirt and um so that's how ham hula t-shirts were born <laughs> all right well, like, yeah I was, I was curious about that so that's something i wanted to ask you um yeah. just a couple more maybe three more questions here for you and, and thank you so much for for calling into this i, I really do appreciate your time absolutely um, my pleasure so uh, one of them is just i mean how how much do you keep up with the mavericks today you know, I kind of uh, from a distance follow them a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I don't watch it that much. I watch it on TV, but uh, I'll, I'll maybe go to one, t- two games a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I know they're struggling right now, but yeah, <laughs> a little bit of an <laughs> understatement. But sometimes that's got to got to go through that to get back to some good stuff. So yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then as, as I was on the, uh, your ham hula t-shirt website, I saw an interesting Uh-oh. fact about you and I wanted to see if it's true. Is it true that you actually once ate a large cheese pizza in five minutes? <laughs> yeah, I think that was, that was, uh, <laughs> that's when they were trying to, I don't know what they were trying to do, but, uh, introduce players to the community and so forth and get them involved and stuff. And, uh, and they asked me if I would be in this uh, pizza eating contest for, I don't know, some, I, I don't remember which pizza company was they were promoting, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stuffed down a large pizza in, in uh, five minutes. Yeah, that was pretty disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's pretty funny though. Um, I, I'm glad there were no uh, cell phone cameras back then. So. <laughs> so the last question I have is something I like to ask former Mavs and I like to quiz them a little bit on their memory. So Uh-oh. right now I'm looking at the the roster for the inaugural season in Mavericks history, 1980-1981. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there were 21 names on it. I wanted to see how many of them you could name. Oh, well, 21 including you. So really just 20. All right. Well, I, there's one. Uh, Tom Lagarde, Marty Burns, Brad Davis, uh, 
Abdul Jelani, you know, he passed yep. away. Yes, he did. Bill Robazine, he passed away. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Ollie Mack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ollie Mack. Uh, and you already mentioned Stan. Did I mention Stan? Uh, yeah, Cabbage? now. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. It's pretty bad. Uh, Ralph Drollinger <laughs> came in and left. Yeah. I think cut him right when I came. Um, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got, uh, let's see, 12 more that you have not named. Oh, wow. There's no way I'll even come close to it. Uh, yeah. Clarence Key. Yep. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the, I mean, it kind of slowed down when I got there as far as <laughs> yeah. at least say that. Uh, let's see. Hatchet. Uh, let's see. What, what was his first name? Oh, uh, I, think, I think you got it. Uh, Hassett? Hassett. Yeah, Hassett. Yeah, yeah Joe. Joe Hassett. Um, let's see who else. I don't know. Okay. That's it. That's all I can come by. That's pretty bad. That's pretty weak. <laughs> Let's, I'll, I'll name them for you. So you got 10 more. You got Daryl Allums. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was gone before I got there. Okay, okay. So that's fair. Uh, Winford Boynes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Skinny Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> Austin Carr. Yep, yep. He was also gone before I got there. So Monty Davis. Yeah, okay. Terry Durod. Oh yeah, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Jeff Houston, Huston. I, I oh forget. yeah, how could I forget Jeff Houston? Yeah, um, Chad Kinch. Yep. I think he has passed away too. I'm not positive on that. I think I read that though. Maybe um, so. Um, Jim Spinarkle. Oh yeah, Sparky. Forgot him. <laughs> Richard Washington. Yeah, yeah. And Jerome Whitehead. Oh uh, yeah. Wow, it's been a long time since I thought of those names. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's just typically how I like to end these conversations and um, see how they do. And uh, yeah, yeah no, like I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. And uh, thanks for calling in after uh, you know, even after we got disconnected and all that. I, I do appreciate. All right, that. well, my pleasure completely. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, I'll uh, I'll email you a link once I have it online. All right, great. Thank okay. you very much. Thanks, Scott. Have a great night. All right. Thanks. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.